Hello. Uh, hello. Hi, friend. How are you? You know what? I'm going to be completely transparent here. You know, today has not been stellar. Um, and that being said, I have, oh my God, I think my cat just like knocked over something huge. Um, but I have a big glass of wine with me for this podcast today. And, um, we're going to turn it around because you texted me and saying you had something to tell me on this episode. So I'm really excited. Hopefully that'll make my day just a little better. How is your day going? I love the energy. I love the big glass of wine energy and also not stellar because I woke up to go to my run club at like 5.30. Then I like got up to go like to the club and then I woke up again at 11. Oof. Yeah. So I'm not sure what happened, but I didn't go and I woke (laughs) up at 11. I stayed out last night. I was doing stand up, which I haven't done in forever, but I didn't. How did that go by the way? It was really good. I think that was funny. People laughed. So good. Good. Yay. Okay. You ready to see your surprise? I am very ready because Lord knows I need it. So come on, friend. Turn this day around. Okay. I am sending you the link right now. Okay. Where's my link? Okay. I sent you the link. I have received the link. I'm clicking now. Click it. Click it. Click it. Oh, my God. I made merch. I love it. Oh my gosh! Oh my little heart! Oh my so god! I have the, I so cute. Link. I sent you the link to the stickers, and you can also get it on like a couple other things. Like we have like shirts and stuff too, but it's just like the same product, like the logo one, just on a shirt. But right now I'm gonna like focus on the stickers, so I'll put the link up. Um, I'm gonna order a whole bunch. I am screaming! I love but, it. Yeah, that's what I did today. Oh, yay! And I'm loving the little glasses on my alien! Yes, I put glasses on you. Yay! Shout out to Kel for making my day a little less shitty. Woohoo! <laughs> I'll post the link on Instagram. You guys can go get stickers. Yes! Come on, swag yourself up, people. Put it on your laptop. Put it on random shit yeah. across the city. Get our name out there. And I made them. I made them as cheap as I can. So, like... Because, like, the website costs money to use, so it, like, takes royalties, so it's, like, as cheap as I can make it. So go get them. Oh, they're so cute. I love it. My favorite one is the one with our logo, and then the two little aliens in the bottom. I'm going to get that one. Oh, my gosh. I'm crying. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I'm pulling it up right now so I can see it all up close. (gasps) Yes, that's actually my favorite. Okay, no lying. Obviously, the one with the alien with the glasses is my favorite. But that one, this one's, one's cute. cute. Yee! I'm so happy. I told all my friends I was going to send them the one um, with our QR code on it to like spread the word. So I'm going to order a whole bunch of those and give them out. It's lit. I'm so excited. I'm going to order some too. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, and I'm definitely ordering a freaking shirt. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm going to get some stuff. I don't know what yet though. I really wanted a sweatshirt, but like. I don't know why. Redbubble usually has sweatshirts, but I guess not anymore. You know what? I don't know. That's crazy since it is winter. I know. Maybe it's like a Christmas thing and they're sold out. I don't know. Maybe so. Oh but my yeah, gosh. I'll post the link. Go get. I'm or just ask me if we know each other. Ask me. I'll give you some. So cute. Let's talk about the fact that my dad had like a work dinner last night. And he was talking about Bob Lazar. 
And um, apparently this, like, waiter was, like, eavesdropping and was like, oh, yeah, that's, like, a really good, like, he wouldn't have just made that stuff up. Like, he had a lot to lose, blah, blah, blah. And my dad literally shamelessly plugged our podcast. Really? Yeah, he was like, yeah, you would like my uh, daughter's podcast then. You know, it's called Get Out or Here. Um, They're dropping merch soon. And I was like, yes, perfect timing. We just hand out the little stickers like business cards. Yes, exactly. Oh, my gosh. Guys, if you look at these and you think these are cute, just wait. We have a whole list of other ideas, too. Yes, we do. Like, this is just the beginning. This is what I did today because I didn't leave my house. I'm not planning on it, either. I'm loving that energy. Come on. <laughs> woohoo! Happy Happy day, some people. Intervention. Oh, my gosh. It is Wednesday. I have the next three days off, so I'm just going to – I'm going to go to Run Club tomorrow. I swear. You know what? I you promise. know, today was your resting day. I've been resting for the past three days. My race got canceled again last night, and I was so upset about it that I'm just going to have a day to be depressed about it. You know, self-care or whatever. Yeah, self-care. That's what, that's all, that's what I always say. Self-care. <laughs> Treat so. yourself. Treat yourself. Oh, my gosh. That did make my day better. Thanks, Kelly. It looks so good. I'll post. Yay. If anyone has an idea, any ideas, let me know. Yeah, right Make in. your ideas into stickers. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And guess what, guys? We're getting closer to a listener story episode. Yes. Don't you worry. We there are was a cool. really good one sent in. Yes. It's so crazy, so spooky, ooky, like 10 out of 10. Did you read it? Yes, I read it. But so I didn't I read all of it because I wanted to still have some, like, raw reaction when we record. So I only Oh, I read the whole thing. Okay, I was like, well, then how I guess has she I never told read that it. story? Yeah, I guess you'll read it and I'll react because I really legitimately only skimmed, like skimmed it. Okay. So it'll be. I was like, I can't believe she never told me that story. Like we've been together for like six months and she's never been like, oh, remember that time I had a ghost? Like, Uh, remember that time? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So there's that listener episodes coming. It's coming. Oh my gosh. This is already a good episode. Very excited for this episode. Okay, listen, I'm going to go ahead and put a disclaimer out here because we all know that Kel's back hurts from carrying this damn podcast on it, Um, but yeah, I'm sure you actually put forth a lot of effort into your notes. Meanwhile, I'm going to put it out here. Everything on my topic is straight from the Smithsonian Magazine, and I'm just reading there (laughs) a long thing about it. So, Hey, I love the energy. I'm just saying it had the most detail. And I was like, if I can just read this word for word and just say, you know, my, my resource was the Smithsonian Magazine. We're calling it a day. Thank you, Karen Abbott from the Smithsonian Magazine. <laughs> I appreciate you. <laughs> I love it. Um, hey, you're citing your so- sources. I didn't do yeah. that. I just say my sources are from the internet, other and- podcasts. And well, sometimes magazines. Typically, that's what I would do. But see, this one legitimately is only from one. So I was like, I really don't have an excuse not to <laughs> cite this one source. Thanks, Karen. Thanks, Karen. The only Karen that matters. Just kidding. If you're exactly. not Karen, we care about you. But we care Karen a lot more you. if you bought our merch. A sticker. Yes. I sell you, some like art, like my own personal stuff on Redbubble and like some people actually buy that stuff and it's so easy they just like put money in my account and be like someone bought this it's so nice I love that that's the kind of thing I need going on in my life so I mean I told you about my latest side hustle so it's just a lot more work oh yeah 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 (laughs) basically doing the work no one else wants to do yeah 
So it'd be like yeah. that. Well, drawing's fun work. Yeah, see, at All least right. you Who's had the keyword first? fun. You are. Yeah, I am. It's right. I am. It's the 14th Get into episode. it. Even number. Yes. Okay. So my notes are, okay, I love this story, but I forgot how sad it was. I'm going to go over that. Oh. So let's pretend it's not that sad. Okay. Um, and we're about this guy whose name is Tarar. We don't know his real name, but we only know him as Tarar. He was born in Lyon, France in approximately 1772. Um, like I said, we don't know his real name. And the word that he goes by is his stage name, which in French means explosion. Um, oh. Or I don't want to say the word, but fart. <laughs> so that's that on this poor man um, at the very Rocky beginning. Lips. Yeah, it's the French uh, slang. Got it, got it. So um, we don't know much about him as a kid, but we know that his family were French peasants. So like you get the gist of his upbringing. He lived a quiet life until his teens when he was eating a quarter of a cow per day, which was a little bit more than his body weight, a little bit, a hundred, about, a little bit above 100 pounds every 24 hours. His family, being peasants in, in France, couldn't afford to feed him anymore, and they kicked him out. Oh, okay. Well, so this was a around hefty the time. boy. He, well, he was only 100 pounds. <laughs> okay, listen. I'm just saying... Your organs have to be real hefty to be taken in however much meat that you just said. Oh, like, yes. And I'm assuming a order of it a gets, cow. Yeah. I can barely eat a burger and not be like, I'm going to be sick. I'm full. I can eat, yeah, a burger. <laughs> exactly. Not, That's my cap. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. physically, Tarara was interesting. He had pale skin and thin, wispy hair. He was, like mm. I said, only 100 pounds. And very skinny with the parts of his body used for eating was, like, really stretched out. Like, his cheeks could stretch out really, really far like a chipmunk, and they hung down when he wasn't eating. His stomach oh. could stretch out and around his entire waist like a belt when it was empty, but would smell, swell up like a balloon when he ate anything. His esophagus was just kind of a hole, so you could, like, look down his mouth and see his stomach. What? Okay, chill out. Are you kidding? Yeah. But here's the most interesting part of his appearance. He okay. smelled so bad that they said he, quote, couldn't be endured within 20 paces. And this was France, like, in the 13 or the 1700s. Okay. So, is this when they would, like, throw their poo-poo out the window? Like, I don't those know days? when was invented. But people were stinky. And, like, they I'm were th still saying that he was extra, extra stinky. I mean, you really must have to stink for, like, people to actually be like, you need to walk away. You need exactly. to walk away. Back then, too, people didn't bathe. I can't imagine just, like, being near him. Um, mm. He was also all hot and sweaty, and that vapor would mix with his stink, and he would literally have stink lines coming off of him. Chill, what? That's possible? So, like, yeah, that you could see his stink, like, rising off of him. Oh, my God. He was described as apathetic and quiet, but he was, over time, deemed sane. After he was kicked out of his parents' house, he spent a while being homeless, begging for food, and eating garbage. He started making some money eating whatever people asked him to eat, food or not. So they just throw something at him and he'd eat it. Oh, During okay. this situation, he was given an entire bushel of apples, like a huge barrel, a wine-making barrel full of apples. He fit 12 in each cheek and then unhinged his jaw and swallowed all 24 at once. Bro, 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 bro. Is there proof of this? This just sounds so wild. Like, it's like... Well, there's, like, there is some proof, and we'll get to, like, how 
realistic that proof is, but it okay. was published, like, spoiler alert, it was published in a scientific journal by, like, a very respected scientist. Okay. But, yeah. Some of his favorite snacks while he was homeless during this time were garbage, butcher shop leftovers, dogs, cats, <gasps> snakes, and eels. Chill out, chill out. No. Snakes were his favorite, and he liked the way they wriggled when he swallowed them. Oh, my God. It's like his version of a noodle. Yeah. Just, like, slurp them up with giant chopsticks. It's literally a danger noodle. (laughs) Oh, my God. Except except he didn't care. He was like, hmm. Yeah, he said, F it. I don't care. (laughs) I want ramen. Ooh, I'm literally having that after we hang up. Really? They have a really good ramen shop down here. Ooh. See, mine's that cheap stuff, you know. Oh, I like that too, though. <laughs> the 99 cent. Yeah, that's what I do. Those are good. A little while later, uh, word got around, and he was picked up by a traveling freak show, and they took him to Paris. He was basically, like, on stage or, like, in a cage situation, and he would eat anything the audience threw in there. Um, bushels of apples, dozens of eggs, raw snakes, eels, trash, corks, literally anything that they could find, food or not. Uh, one time, he collapsed during his performance, and his audience grabbed him and rushed him to the hospital which i think is kind of funny and like sweet that um, is nice had, at least they somewhat cared <laughs> yeah like the whole audience picked him up and ran him over there um he was diagnosed with intestinal blockage and he told the doctor who treated him that he was so grateful he'd eat the pocket watch that the doctor had the doctor said no you're not eating my pocket watch if you do i'll cut you open with a sword and get it out so he did not eat oh. the pocket watch, but he offered <laughs> okay <laughs> A little while later, um, this was during the French Revolution, and there's, like, a history that I didn't get into. Terrar moved on from being a freak show to become a a soldier, probably for steady food. He wasn't, like, fighting in the war, but he was, like, a behind-the-scenes helper situation. He was fed quadruple rations and did, like, odd jobs for other people in exchange for their food. Uh, This this still wasn't enough, and he still ate garbage. At one point, okay. he got sick from starvation and exhaustion and was recovering in a hospital. During this time, military surgeon Dr. Pierre-Francois Percy began studying him. Uh, he was kind of like a companion to this guy. Um, he had a partner, but since then, the name of the partner was lost. So Dr. Percy is how we know everything we know about Gerard. He is that um, well-respected military guy. Okay. What we know about Percy is that Like I said, he was a respected doctor, and he was working at this military hospital, and he had written a lot of, what's it called? Written a lot of accounts before Tarar. Okay, gotcha. They often had to strap him down in the hospital to stop him from eating things. Once he ate a, trigger warning, entire cat, bones, hair, and all in front of some horrified hospital hospital staff. Okay, but like... Listen, is he just doing it to do it, or he just is hungry, so he's just eating everything in sight? I think he's hungry. Otherwise, he wouldn't look that weird. He wouldn't smell that bad, and he wouldn't, like, have been kicked out of his house for eating that much food. Yeah, okay, gotcha. Also, it gets even worse because the next sentence, even all this food wasn't enough, a little while later, while he was still deteriorating in the hospital, he was caught drinking the drained blood of the patients because it was the bloodletting era. Oh my god. And uh he was found in the mortuary eating dead bodies. Great, great, great. The hospital was like, wow, this is wild. Let's check this out. So they wanted to do some tests on him. All read by doctor all led by Dr. Percy. 
Mm-hmm. First, they wanted to see how much he could really eat, like what was his limit. So they laid out a whole feast for 15 German workmen to see how much of it he could eat and how, when he would stop. Turns out he ate all of it. He went to sleep and then he woke up just fine. The next day oh. they were like, hmm, I wonder what would happen if we fed him secrets and waited just to see if the secrets would, you know, come back. So they made him swallow a wooden box with a secret note inside. The note came out later unharmed and the note was readable. So they were like, hmm, we can use him as a spy. Okay. Okay. I kind of see it. I see what the story's so wild. General Alexander de Buharnais waited, wanted to use him as a spy. So they fed him the wooden box to get to a general that was imprisoned in Prussia. Once the general got the box, he would respond. Tarar would swallow the box again and then get back across Prussian lines. And he was officially named a spy. So that's on record. He's a spy who did this. I wish I was a spy. Maybe you are. Listen, would a spy say they wishes they were a spy? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Exactly. Tarar agreed and swallowed the wooden box with a secret message inside. As a reward, he was fed an entire wheelbarrow of raw meat. He swallowed the box and went on his way, disguised as a peasant. He made it pretty far, and he was feeding himself like he used to, like literally eating trash and animals. He was found out, however, when someone found out that they couldn't speak German, and he was clearly a spy, so he was captured and he was took in. They strip-searched him for any notes, and they beat him for for information, but he actually hadn't been allowed to read the note, so he really didn't know. After being tortured for 24 hours, he finally told the Prussians what was up. He, he was like, hey, it's in the box that I swallowed. <laughs> you so know, was, okay, I'm, something I'm confused about is he eats trash, whole cats, raw meat, and this boy don't get sick? I don't think so. Like he's He has an iron stomach. Maybe it's just, yeah, I guess. I don't know. Or a terrible one. Oh, yeah, well, true. Good point. I think he's legit hungry for this stuff. Otherwise, he would be eating trash. You know, no one's watching him. I know, but it just blows my mind that he doesn't, like, get sick from any of it. You know, like, no salmonella, nothing. Oh, true. Well, it was also, like, France in the long time ago. I think people were just hardier. Okay, well. I don't know. Maybe he did get salmonella every once in a while. Just didn't know it. Didn't know it, yeah, because I don't know. Hmm. He was, so the general made, the general who captured him made him strap to a chair in a room for 30 hours before he got the box back um, from Tarar. The general opened the box and read it and was really mad when he found out the box was just a test and the note just said to let them know if he had gotten the message. Tarar was tortured, beaten, and had a noose tied around his neck in the gallows for a fake execution before he was released back to France. A fake execution. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and all this time he was so apathetic, just like, meh. Um, after That's this, so bizarre. He, went, he didn't know where to go. So he went back to the hospital and told to his old friend, Dr. Percy. Percy was like, okay, great. He's back. Let's treat him. Uh, he was officially diagnosed with polyphagia, which is just a word for excessive hunger, which is a symptom, not really like a disease. Yeah. In an attempt to cure him, he was treated with different acids, tobacco, opium, tobacco, I already said tobacco, wine vinegar, and pretty much anything else a doctor could think of to make him less hungry. But he still still snuck out and ate cats and dogs and trash and the dead bodies and all the leaded blood. The doctors were like, it's all a mental illness, my friend. Yeah, dead ass. (laughs) But Dr. Percy kept, like, insisting that he was sane, and once he was 
psychologically evaluated, he came back as sane. So it was all, it wasn't in his head. It was, he was literally physically this hungry. Um, but the hospital staff kept wanting to kick him out and they, but they didn't have a reason to until he was finally kicked out when a 14th, 14 month old baby went missing. Oh Lord. Oh Lord. was probably eaten by Tarar. Probably. So the hospital staff chased him out and that's when he basically fell off the face of the earth for four years. Okay. Finally, in 1789, a doctor called Dr. M. Tizer of the Versailles, Versailles Hospital called Dr. Percy and said that one of his patients wished to see him. Percy rushed to visit Tarar. When he got there, he realized Tarar was bedridden, bedridden and on his deathbed. Tarar told Dr. Percy that he had accidentally swallowed a fork a couple years earlier, and that was causing him to be in this state. And he said, if you can get the fork out, I'll be okay. So he was like, I'm sick, but it's from swallowing a fork. Help me out. He was really young, too. I think he was only, like, 30-something, and he wanted... Okay, but, like, imagine, out of all the things you ate, a fork, a fork. is what put you on your uh, deathbed. Bed. Yeah. yeah. You ate a kid. Uh, you ate a whole kid. You ate raw meat. You ate trash. You ate cats and dogs. But no, 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 no. It's a fork. a fork. Yes. You also tried to eat a gold watch. Like, you. that was your exactly. idea. Yeah. Mm. So it's kind of sad. He's dying. Uh, Percy knew that it wasn't a fork. It was tuberculosis or consumption. Oh, plot twist. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So he had tuberculosis, and Dr. Percy knew he was going to die from that. Uh, Tarar did die a month later. Excited, um, Dr. Percy performed an autopsy on the body, and it was led by Dr. Tyser, the one who was now also interested in Tarar, the one he, who called Dr. Percy, and they all wanted to see what was up, like what caused him to be so hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, the corpse started rotting the second he died, like immediately. Uh, here's a quote from the London Medical and Physical Journal. His body, as soon as he was dead, became a prey to a horrible corruption. That is bizarre. It's weird. I don't understand. Well, they got to the autopsy ASAP after that. Like, he died autopsy. This is what they found. His jaws were abnormally wide and could, and you could look down the mouth just to see a huge esophagus right into the stomach. The jaws unhinged, kind of like a snake. Like, they come apart to make his mouth even bigger. Creepy. His stomach was huge and took up all of his abdominal cavity. All of his other organs were just kind of, like, shoved in the corner. Uh-huh. Uh, his stomach was covered in ulcers. His liver and gallbladder were super enlarged. And I hate the next word I'm about to say, but he was very full of pus. Gross. Okay. Hear me out. I know you're an avid TikToker. Um, so have you seen that girl whose mouth is, like, really wide? Wait, the one with the huge tongue? Oh, wait, no, I do. I know what you're talking about. Where she, like, eats Subway sandwiches and, like, can fit a, her whole mouth around it. What? Yeah. I see those girls with the huge tongues. No, 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 no. This girl, when you were talking about Tarar's cheeks and stuff, that was, like, reminding me of this girl. She, now I gotta find it. That's so now weird. I gotta find it and send it to you because I'm telling you she's like oh can't relate because people were like take a bite of a burrito or a subway sandwich and make it fit she was like oh you can't taste everything in one bite can't relate and literally oh my god yeah I'm gonna have to send it to you it's yeah wild. I'm gonna have to see that oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god okay I found one I found one I'm okay. sending it to you right now okay I'm on my TikTok I'm waiting it freaks me out sending okay I sent it you probably have seen her I can't believe if you haven't. Oh, yep. This is what I was thinking. Is she going to open her mouth in this video? Yes. What? 
That's not natural. She's like Tamara's offspring. I'm telling you, is that not like, it just really makes me uncomfortable. It's like most of her head. It is like most of her head, and I just don't like being able to see all the inside of her cheeks. I know. Someone with a small mouth over here. I I have a super tiny mouth. Like, the dentist is like, ma'am, we can't even, you're barely fitting, like, the little kid x-ray things in there. I have to put my own x-rays in my mouth because I hate. Same. Mm -hmm. Can't, don't touch my mouth. It's, it's awful. That's why I never want a COVID test. Like, you can do anything you want to me, but stay out of my head. You know, I just really, the dentist is my least favorite doctor, truly. Yeah, I agree with that. Mm, can't really, ugh, just don't like him. Mm-mm, stay out. Please and thank you. This guy didn't have any teeth because they were wore down from overuse. I didn't put that in here, but I thought that was an interesting point. Oh my God, so you're telling me he had a huge mouth that was just gummy, no teeth. His molars were like worn down, like real flat, real small. E nasty. Yeah. The fork was not found in the autopsy, but they couldn't finish the autopsy. It had just been started when the guy doing the cutting was like, I can't go on. He smells too bad. <laughs> just just literally incinerate him at that point, honestly. Yep. Um, Percy wrote down Terrar's story in a book called Memoir sur la polyphage, or like okay. the memoir of polyphagia or something. Um, One quote translated to English is, let a person imagine all that domestic or wild animals, the most filthy and ravenous, are capable of devouring, and may they form some idea of the appetite as well as the wants of Terrar. Oh, Terrar. Long live Terrar, even though he was the definition of one of the deadly sins. He literally is. He's like a glutton. Yeah. And not that that was his fault, but... But something was... uh, Right. And that's the whole story. That's everything we know about the hungriest man who ever lived. Aw, shout out to Tarar. I bet he was super, like, pro-body positivity. He was so skinny, though. Okay, hashtag goals. Like, I wish I could eat, <laughs> you know, a child and then, like, three cats, four dogs, a whole thing of, like, meat, and then still only weigh, like, 100 pounds. <laughs> he, you would smell so bad that I could smell you through the microphone. Okay, but, like, if that means we could get more viewers... Listen. <laughs> people would put on our podcast and be like what is that i know and they, they it'd be one of those things where it's like a car wreck you just can't look away you're just like what the heck is going on that's how i would feel if i saw tarar i think same so we're all wondering what the actual heck is going on yes so here's the first theory um his account the doctor's account might be a little bit skewed he was a really respected doctor at the time like I said, but he was kind of old. He was in his 50s, so he was, like, especially old for the standard of the time to still be practicing medicine. Mm -hmm. But he was seen as credible enough that this paper was in the scientific journal. No one came out and, like, disproved him, not even the doctor at Versailles Hospital. So I feel like it's probably, like, I think I would count it true. Like, if I had to say, is this true, I think I'd say yes. Right. Um, even though they called him sane, it might have been another brain issue. His hypothalamus was maybe disrupted, which are the signals for hunger and satiety. And it also regulates body temperature, which is maybe why he was always overheated and vaporous. Right. But then why was he so skinny? Maybe he also had, like, a tapeworm or other parasite from eating all that raw meat. Okay, but, like, yeah, I could totally see that happening. Yeah, and then there's this quote where it's like, people can have as many issues as they dang well please. And so, you know, he could have had both of those things. True. 
let's talk about Charles Domery real quick. Uh, he was another guy around the same time. He was Polish but living in France, and he was also in the war. He was on 10 times rations and still ate cow udders and candles. Was he the same? What? Uh, cow udders. Not good. I know, right? Eek. Just, I just want the milk, not the udder. That is utterly tragic. I hate myself. I'll go home. Bye. Had Prater Willie syndrome or Prater Willie. I don't know how to say it. Um, in their DNA, if they were distant relatives, they could also have the same pretty rare, but not super rare genetic mutation. Um, mm -hmm. Prater Willie is a genetic disease that causes slower learning, social hardships, and also insatiable hunger, and it's caused by a deletion on the 15th chromosome. Huh. So okay. maybe they both have this gene deletion, but um, he, they'd also have to have something else because Prater Willie, everyone that has it is very overweight. It could also explain like the slower learning, like the apathetic nature. Well, but, when you look up Tarar, like if you just Google him, why do they always portray him so fat? They don't have any pictures of him anymore. I don't know. I don't know. I guess because all I keep seeing are like little sketches and I guess maybe interpretations. Because if you weren't, if you didn't know he was skinny and you just heard all the crap he eats, you would think he's like 700 pounds. And that's pretty yeah. much how they draw him. So, yeah. I don't know. Weird. And, uh, you know, who's to say? I don't know. Who's to say? I don't know. But I have a quote from gizmo.com for you about okay. um, Prater Willie. It says, one biological accident could turn you into essentially a Wendigo. <gasps> Chill out. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. Oh, my God. That's my story about the two man who could two. eat anything. Equals four. I think you just uncovered something. What? I think you're. I said I think you're onto something. What if Wendigos are just like that? Hungry like they men just have that. Yes. We have cracked the code. Prater um, Willie. Prater Willie. Yes. I honestly don't know. Whichever one it is. I should know though. That was very interesting. I've never heard of Charar, but now I know. He's but one of my I favorite know. guys. I was always really interested in him. Now that just means we need to make merch about Terrar. We do. Hashtag I saw Terrar at the freak show. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. We'll have to workshop it. Yeah, it's not, that's not that great. <laughs> I was really trying to hype you up, girl, but then I'm like, <laughs> I tried, okay? I tried. I loved it straight off the dome. I love it. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so moving on from the guy who would literally eat anything, um, my story for today is about the man who just would not die. So, Love it. His name is Michael Malloy, so I just wanted to give you all a little heads up. Okay, let's get into it. Dun, yes. dun, 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 dun. And like I said, shout out to Karen, because she's giving me all of this information. And you will know, because it sounds like a whole novel. And I'm sorry it's so long, but there is just so much packed into the story. Okay. No, I'm so excited because mine was short. Okay. All right. Okay. The plot was conceived over a round of drinks. One afternoon in July of 1932, Francis Pasqua, Daniel Kreisberg, and Tony Marino sat in Marino's speakeasy and raised their glasses, sealing their complicity, figuring the job was already half-finished. How difficult could it be to push Michael Malloy to drink himself to death? Every morning, the old man showed up Marino's place in the Bronx and requested 
Another morning's morning, if you don't mind. Every morning. Was he from Minnesota? You know, I have no idea. I'm I feel like real. I remember that he was, but I don't know. Because Minnesota honestly like drink anything. See, I've never heard that. But yeah. I wouldn't doubt it. We're bored. Okay. We're cold. Well, that's very true. And I feel like <laughs> Minnesota's quite barren. Oh, yeah. So. Okay. Well, then you have to find something to do, and obviously alcohol. Mm-hmm. Duh. So, yes. Um, he would always ask for another morning's morning, um, and hours later, he would be passed out on the floor. It was just kind of like his ritual thing. So, for a while, Marino had actually let Malloy drink on credit, but he no longer paid his tabs. Um, business, the saloon keeper, confided to Pasqua and Kreisberg, is bad, he said. So, you know, business was going downhill, and then you got Malloy coming in, drinking another morning's morning, and not even paying for it, and then passing out on the floor, which that I'm assuming... good selling point. Right. If I you have to step over... man. Exactly. If you have to step <laughs> over to someone to get to the bar, listen. <laughs> I mean, we've all been there, but... Right, right, right. So, Pasqua was 24, and an undertaker by trade eyed Malloy's sloping figure, the glass of whiskey hoisted to his slack mouth, no one knew much about him, not even, it seemed, Malloy himself, other than that he had come from Ireland. Um, he had no friends, no family, no definitive date of birth. Um, most guessed him to be about 60 years old, no apparent trade or vocation beyond the occasional odd job sweeping alleys or collecting garbage, um, and was happily accepting payment in alcohol rather than money. So, I'm vibing with this guy's energy, though. <laughs> he, he was like... Ready to roll. He said he straight up said YOLO. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So he was described by the Daily Mirror um, as the flotsam and jetsam and the swift current of underworld speakeasy life. Those no longer responsible um, who stumble through the last days of their lives in a continual haze of Bowery smoke. So Pasqua asked Marino, the owner of the bar, why don't you take a, out insurance on Malloy? Um, and stated that he would take care of the rest if uh, Marino went ahead and just took out a life insurance policy. So when he proposed this idea, Marino paused, and Pasqua knew he'd pull off such a scheme once before. Um, So the prior year, Marino, 27, had befriended a homeless woman named Maybelle Carson and convinced her to take out a $2,000 life insurance policy naming Marino as the beneficiary. And if someone one, ever comes up to you and says, take out a life insurance policy and I'll be your beneficiary, just say right. no. It's a little no. suspect, guys. I'm just saying. Yeah, just say no. Uh, unless it's the Pope. Then you can trust him. Yeah, he's pretty trustworthy. I, I'd say so. Um, so one frigid night, he kind of force-fed her alcohol stripped her of her clothing, doused sheets and the mattress in ice water, and pushed the bed beneath an open window. Um, The medical examiner listed the cause of death as bronchial pneumonia, and Marino collected the money without any incidents or raised eyebrows. So Marino nodded and motioned to Malloy. Um, He looks all in. He ain't got much longer to go anyhow. The stuff is getting him. Um... That's what Malloy said to Pasqua. And as he said that, Pasqua glanced over to Daniel Kreisberg. Um, The 29-year-old grocer and father of three would later say he participated for the sake of his family just because they kind of needed a little extra cash. 
Um, and he nodded that he was in. And so at that moment, the gang was set into motion and the chain of events that would earn Michael Malloy cult immortality by proving him nearly immortal began to take place. So Pasqua took one. He was a volunteer distribute. He offered to do all of the legwork, paying an unnamed acquaintance to accompany him to meetings with insurance agents. This acquaintance called himself Nicholas Mellory and gave his occupation as a florist, a detail that one of Pasqua's colleagues in a funeral business was willing to verify. It took Pasqua five months to secure three policies, all offering double um, indemnity. Indemnity? If it's an insurance word, dude, I don't know. Listen, I know nothing about insurance. I barely know my insurance that I'm on. <laughs> I'm under 26. So I'm on my parents. Same. Exactly. That's all I know. Blue Cross Blue Shield. That's all I know. That's it. So basically, it took Pasqua five months to secure these three policies, all offering double the money on Nicholas Mellory's life. Two with Prudential Life Insurance Company and one with Metropolitan Life Insurance Company. Pasqua rec- recruited Joseph Murphy, a bartender at Marino's, to identify the deceased as Michael Malloy and claim to be his next of kin and beneficiary. If all went as planned, Pasqua and his cohorts would split $3,576, which today would be about $54,000 each after Michael Malloy died as uneventfully and anonymously as he had lived. So... So there was no murder up until this point. They were just like, okay, he gonna die. Right. They were just like, we're gonna, he's gonna drink himself to death anyway. We probably will barely have to do anything other than just give him more shots of alcohol. You know what I'm saying? So this being said, um, the quote murder trust, as the press would call them, now included a few other Marinos of Marinos regulars, including petty criminals, such as John McNally and Edward Ten Ear Smith, so-called, even though his artificial ear was literally made out of wax and not tin. Um, it also included... You said Ten Ear, and I was really confused. I was like, he has ten? No, T-I-N. Give Van Gogh some of them. LOL. It's like the Tin Man. Yeah. Uh, so we had Edward Ten Ear Smith, Tough Tony, and his slavish sidekick, Joseph Maglion, um, and one night in December 1932, they all gathered at the speakeasy, like the speakeasy at once, to commence the killing of Michael Malloy. All right. To Malloy's undisguised delight, Tony Marino granted him an open-ended tab, which I'm sure he was like, hell yeah. Time Just to like are with the food. Right. Open-ended. Get as much as you want, Bubba. Just throw it back. Um... So he offered him the open-ended tabs, and competition from other saloons had forced him to ease the rules a bit. No sooner did Malloy down a shot than Marino refilled his glass. Like, he was just throwing them back, which couldn't be me. I suck at shots, so. I have to, like, sip shots. Absolutely same. And I know that's, like, the worst way to do it, but, like, I have to. I can't just chug. I can't even do it with, like, a little glass of water. I have to, like. Right, right. Exactly. So, um, Malloy had been a hard drinker all his life, one witness said, and he was just known to drink and drink and drink. Um, so Malloy that night drank until Marino's arm tired from holding the bottle. Um, remarkably, his breathing remained steady. His skin retained its normal, ritty looking nastiness. And finally, he dragged a grungy sleeve across his mouth, 
thanked the host for the hospitality and said he'd be back soon. And surely enough, within 24 hours, he was back. So it's like didn't even phase over. Hungover who? Don't know her. Yeah, what? What is that? What is a hangover? <laughs> okay, I've know. never been hungover. Like, not really. But I've just had bad headaches, but not to the point where I'm like sick the next day. Yeah, it's because we're 23. That, that must be what it is. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but okay. I also don't drink like a thousand shots in a row. I'll drink like a glass of wine or three. Okay. Yeah, that's probably what that is. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. So, Malloy followed this pattern for three days, pausing only long enough to eat a complimentary sardine sandwich. So, literally, Gross. if he wasn't eating his sardine sandwich, he was throwing them boys back. So, okay. Oh, my gosh. I want to um, know, like, how much liquid that really was. Right? So, Marino and his accomplices were, like, shook, like, at a full loss. Um, maybe they hoped Malloy would choke on his own vomit <laughs> or fall and hit his head. But on the fourth day, Malloy stumbled into the bar saying, boy, ain't I got a thirst. Yeah, right. ain't he? Yeah, he's very thirsty. Give him some water. Clearly, he needs something, and nothing's quenching that thirst, so. No. He needs some Maybe. water and some AA. What? Exactly. So once he rolls in saying, boy, ain't I got a thirst, I'm thirsty, roll it my way, Tough Tony was over it. He has done grown impatient, and he suggested someone just simply shoot him in the head. I mean, but then they'll know it was murder. Right. But Murphy recommended a more subtle approach. Um, he suggested exchanging Malloy's whiskey and gin with shots of wood alcohol. Um, drinks containing just 4% of wood alcohol could cause blindness. And by 1929, more than 50,000 people nationwide had died from the, in, like, the whole effect of impure alcohol in their system. They would serve Malloy not shots tainted with wood alcohol, but just straight up wood alcohol. Like, he wasn't going to do a little mixy mix. He was just going to... No, he was just going to have the wood alcohol. Right. He was just going to say, oh, this tastes a little funny. So, okay. Marino thought it was a brilliant plan, declaring he would give all of the drinks he wants and let him drink himself to death. Kreisberg allowed a rare display of enthusiasm. Yeah. Feed Wood, wood alcohol, give him cocktails of it, see what happens. Like, no, we just established we weren't mixing it, sir. We're just <laughs> doing it. We're, we want to get straight to the point, all right? So Murphy bought a few 10-cent can, like, cans of wood alcohol, which I don't know how much comes in a wood can, but if you bought a, I mean, they're only 10 cents a can, but then again, this is 1932, <laughs> so, all right. I have no idea, man. Uh, me either. So he all bought, I know is they're like running out of their um, earnings. Exactly, how like feed this guy. All right, that's what I'm thinking. Like you cannot be making a profit at this point. It's just like it's all um, what's it called? Ego now. Yeah, literally. So, like I said, Murphy bought a few of these ten cent cans of wood alcohol at a nearby paint shop and just carried them back in a brown paper bag. Um, and then he served Malloy shots of cheap whiskey to get him feeling good. And then once he was feeling good, he made the switch. So they kind of faked him out there for a second. Okay. Um, and the gang kind of just sat there and watched as Malloy downed several of these shots and kept asking for more. Displayed no physical symptoms other than those of typical inebriation. Um, someone reported to the New York Evening Post, quote, he didn't know that he was drinking 
what he was drinking was wood alcohol and what he didn't know apparently did not hurt him. He drank all the wood alcohol he was given and came back for more. So bold. Meanwhile, I'm like, "Mm, this vodka tastes funny. Is this like top shelf or no? I knocked over my (laughs) microphone. Um, Yeah, usual. Yeah. What's so weird. I was at the bar, like, I forget, like, three weeks ago and this guy brought me like a shot I ordered Tito's and he brought me like I don't know something else and I was like "Mm, this is not Tito's I'm not (laughs) drinking this right exactly (laughs) so like most people would be able to taste a difference but I guess when you truly just do not care you just want the free alky I mean it don't matter that's so um, yeah yeah night after night this continued to happen this exact scene repeated itself with Malloy drinking shots of wood alcohol as fast as Murphy would pour them until the night like, until the night showed up, and he would just kind of lay down and go to sleep without any warning on the floor. Um, per usual, I guess, typical behavior for him. Yeah. So the, gang, bed. the gang of these guys just kind of were speechless at this point, staring at this guy laying on the floor, kind of just laying by their feet. So, Pasqua knelt by Malloy's body, feeling the neck for a pulse, lowering his ear to his mouth, and Malloy's breath was slow and labored. Um, they decided to wait, watching the sluggish rise and fall of his chest. They were just thinking, you know, any minute now, he's just going to die. Um, but finally, there was a long, jagged breath. And people were like, oh, my God, is this the death rattle? Like, is this the moment we've been waiting for? But unfortunately, Malloy just began to snore. So oh my God. He was just, like, knocked out. He awakened some hours later, rubbing his eyes, and said, quote, Give me some of the old regular, me lad. So, he was just ready to roll again. If the old regular, does he mean uh, wood alcohol? I, guess, or I think it's the wood alcohol, yeah. Give me, give me the old regular, man. The new <laughs> give me poison. whatever's behind that counter. Just doesn't matter. Exactly. So the plot to kill Michael Malloy was becoming, like you said, becoming more and more cost prohibitive. The open bar tab, the cans of wood alcohol, and the monthly insurance premiums all began to add up. Oh, true. They still have to pay insurance. Right. So Marino began to get a little nervous um, that his speakeasy would go bankrupt. Tough Tony, again, once advocated for brute force and just shoot the man, Um, but Pasqua talked him off the ledge and said he had another idea. So, Malloy supposedly had a well-known taste for seafood. Why not drop some oysters in denatured alcohol to let them soak for a few days and serve them while Malloy is, you know, at the bar having a good time? Um, Alcohol taken during a meal of oysters, Pasqua was quoted as saying, will almost invariably cause acute indigestion for the oysters tend to remain preserved. So... Okay. As planned, Malloy was served them. He ate them one by one, savoring each bite, washed them down with the wood al- wood alcohol. I mean, double whammy at this point. Um, Marino, Pasqua, and the rest just kind of played. What is this game? Hold on. Now I got to look it up because I'm not saying it without knowing what it is. What is it? It is. How do you even pronounce it? Pinnacle? Pinnacle. Pinnacle. It's a a trick-taking game. game. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Well, it's like like hearts or spades or something like that. See, I only know like Uno and Blackjack, so. I love card games. I'm really into Mahjong. Ooh, I like Mahjong. That one's fun. 
Okay, so yeah, Marino Pasqua and the rest just kind of played some pinochle and was waiting to see what's rolling out. But isn't he suspicious me- that all these people are suddenly like watching him all the time? Listen, and, like- I guess he just does not care because he's all getting right. free stuff. So Accurate. like, I don't blame okay. him. But while they're playing this game and waiting, uh, Malloy just literally licked his lips, licked his fingers, and burped. Like he was just. He's like, I'm full. I'm done. So my poison. Exactly. Nom nom. So at this point, killing Michael Malloy was literally just as much about pride as about payoff. Like you said, (laughs) it's all about the ego, sir. Um, A payoff they all griped that would be split among too many conspirators. Murphy tried next. Um, He let a tin of sardines rot for several days, mixed in some shrapnel slathered um, the concoction between pieces of bread and served the most serve the you know nasty rotting sardines the nasty patty from spongebob for real a nasty patty just serve that bad boy straight to malloy any minute they thought the metal would start slashing through his organs just ripping him from the inside out but instead malloy finished his tin sandwich and asked for another one. Oh my gosh i know like he just i'm telling you man crazy so after he ate this rotting nasty patty the gang literally called an emergency conference. They did not know what to make of this Rasputin of the Bronx. So Marino recalled his success with Maybell Carlson, the one he let die under the open window, um, and suggested that they just ice Malloy down and leave him outside overnight. Easy peasy. Done deal. Yeah. So that evening, Marino and Pasqua tossed Malloy into the backseat of Pasqua's roadster, drove in silence to Crotona Park and lugged the unconscious man through heaps of snow. After depositing him on a park bench, they stripped off his shirt and dumped bottles of water on his chest and head. After they've just run, like thrown him through the snow, got him all icy, got him all chilly, and was like, just for good measure, pouring on some water. Why didn't they start with this? Listen, hindsight 2020. Okay. So, Malloy literally never stirred. When Marino arrived at his speakeasy the following day, he found Malloy's half-frozen form in the basement. Somehow, Malloy had trekked the half-mile back and persuaded Murphy to let him in. When he came to, he complained of a, quote, wee chill. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Just, just a wee, I'm a wee bit chilly. Not too much, though. Wee chill. Yes. So, February started to roll around. Another insurance payment was due. One of the gang, John McNally, wanted to run Malloy over with a car. Tin Ear was skeptical, but Marino, Pasqua, Murphy, and Kreisberg were intrigued. John Maglione offered the services of a cab driver friend named Harry Green, whose cut from the insurance money would total $150. So, really, all, all it took Harry was $150, and he would run someone over. listen harry times are tough i guess man are you okay right are you okay i'm not okay it's okay to not be okay (laughs) therapy's out there so it's right someone over with your car but you know for 150 dollars yeah so they all piled into harry green's cab a drunken malloy stone like started to strut across their feet well listen he was already passed out so they pulled him up and, like, I guess just threw him in the middle of the road and was like, meh, 
go on. Um, <laughs> and once they did that, Green drove a few blocks and stopped. Um, so Murphy then dragged Malloy down the road, holding him up, crucifixion style, might I add, by his outstretched arms. Green gunned the engine. Everyone braced. From the corner of his eye, Maglione saw a quick flash of light. Stop! Hello, stop! He yelled. The cab lurched to a halt, and Green determined it had just been a woman turning on the light in her room. Like, could you imagine? Like, everyone's braced to hit this man, and you just yelled stop because you got scared because you saw someone turn their light on? Oh, my God. Listen, I'd be like, no. Is he still alive? Yes, he's still alive. They're literally just holding him because he's going to, like, Wait, I mean, like, hit by a car. Today. Oh, no, probably not. Okay. Because this was 1932, girl. I know, but my uncle well, was born in 1920. Is he still alive? Yeah. Okay, well, sure enough, he might be then. I don't know. <laughs> I, unlikely after all this happened. But... Oh, right. He was 60-something. Okay. Yeah. So they were like, okay, it was literally just a girl turning her light on. Malloy managed to leap out of the way, not once, but twice, and on the third attempt, Green raced toward Malloy at about 50 miles per hour. Maglione watched through splayed fingers. He was like one of those people like, I don't want to look, but I'll look, kind of, mm-hmm. you know. With every second, Malloy loomed larger through the windshield, two thuds, one loud, one soft, the body against the hood, and then dropping to the ground. Mm-hmm. For good measure, obviously, Harry Green, the cab driver, was like, you know what? Just for shits and giggles, we're going to back up over him just to make sure this man is dead. So they were like 100% confident that Malloy was dead. But a passing car scared them from the scene before they could actually even confirm that. They were just hoping that hitting him at 50 miles an hour and then like backing up over him would be sufficient. Which for anyone, any normal person, you would think that would be sufficient. Yeah, that sounds like overkill, actually. Right. So it fell to Joseph Murphy, who had been cast as Nicholas Mellory's brother, to call morgues and hospitals in an attempt to locate his missing, quote, quote, sibling. No one had any information, nor were there any reports of a fatal accident in the newspaper. Five days later, as Pesqua plotted to kill another anonymous drunk guy, which Pesqua sounds like he's got a lot of time on his hands. He's got some so. mental illness, too. Right. So, basically, he was just like, any anonymous person that's a drunk, listen, just just pass him my way, okay? Don't even worry <laughs> about it. So, as he started to, like, plot this demise of another anonymous drunk guy and pass him off as Nicholas Mallory, the door to Marino's speakeasy swung open and in limped a battered, bandaged Michael Malloy, looking only slightly worse than usual. His greeting this time was, quote, I sure am dying for a drink. No, you aren't. That's the problem. (laughs) You really aren't dying for a drink at this point. So you're living for a drink. Yeah. Maybe that's why. Maybe he's like such an alcoholic that he's like, I have to stay alive to get more drink. Maybe so. So when he came in and said like, that's, I'm dying for a drink. He surely sat down and said he had a story to tell or at least what he could remember of it. He recalled the taste of whiskey, the cold slap of night air. The glare of rushing lights, then blackness. Next thing he knew, he woke up in a warm bed at Fordham Hospital and wanted only to get back to the bar. So, okay. I respect that. I respect the um, dedication. Dedication. Yeah. (laughs) 
So on February 21st, 1933, seven months after the murder trust first convened, Michael Malloy finally died in a ten tenement near 168th Street, less than a mile from Marino's speakeasy. A rubber tube ran from a gaslight fixture to his mouth, and a towel was wrapped tightly around his face. Dr. Frank Manzella, a friend of Pasqua's, filed a phony death certificate citing low bar pneumonia as the cause of death. The gang received only $800 from Metropolitan Life Insurance Company, and Murphy and Marino each spent their share on a new suit. So a hit. They did all this for a suit? I guess so. So Pasqua arrived at the Prudential office, confident he would collect the money from the two other policies, but the agent surprised him with a question, saying, when can I see the body? Pasqua replied that he had already been buried. So after that, an investigation ensued. Everyone began talking, and everyone eventually faced charges. Frank Pasqua, Tony Marino... Daniel Kreisberg and Joseph Murphy were tried and convicted of first-degree murder. A reporter said, quote, perhaps the grinning ghost of Mike Malloy was present in the Bronx County Courthouse. The charter members of the murder trust were sent to the electric chair at Sing Sing, which killed them all on the very first try. And that is the story of Michael Malloy. Jeez. <laughs> like, That's wild. It truly is. Like, can you imagine? Like, no. <laughs> that is just crazy. Like, sh- Michael Malloy, you the man, man. Yeah, that's wild. I want to know more about him. I want to know, like, if he had, like, a genetic issue or something. Like, I wonder if he genuinely, like, couldn't feel pain or, like. They have that. Do that you is a disease. anatomy? No. Okay, well, there was an episode where this girl, like, literally thought she was a superhero and was, like, always telling her classmates, like, I don't feel pain. I don't feel pain. You Let me prove it. Just punch me as hard as you can in the stomach. And eventually it, like, ruptured an organ. But anyway, um, yeah, I wonder if that was, like, kind of like him. Like, he just didn't know he couldn't feel pain. So, so it's just, like, your liver dying and then getting hit by a car and freezing at night, like, was just child's play. I guess. I mean, it's really but sad, like though, it, that know. they went through all of that just to, at the end of the day, basically murder him the most awful way. True. Like, well, I don't know. Because, well, I mean, probably. at least if they if he drank himself to death, he'd be, do some, he'd be doing something he enjoyed, I guess. True. Like, and, like, it's I, kind of like a hands-off murder thing. Like, you're just not stopping him. Right. Like, you're not killing him. You're just letting him exactly. die. You're letting it take its course. Yeah. I well, mean, like, also up, until, up until the wood alcohol, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then you Once did have you your get, hands involved. <laughs> yeah. Once you start poisoning someone. Right. So. Then it's an just, issue. I was just like, wow, that is insane. That's really so. crazy. Yeah. Shout out to Michael Malloy. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to go drink as much as Michael Malloy now. I mean, yeah. I mean, you might not have the same luck as him, but you can go for it, girl. <laughs> if I don't hear from you tomorrow, I know what happened. I just drank all my brother's wood alcohol, which I'm sure he has because he has a wood shop. Oh, good. Good, 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 Let's good. Let's go through his Love room. Love to hear it. Pass the wine, the wine cabinet to get the wood alcohol. Yes, exactly. Pass what's Here's... important for what's most important. Yeah, Exactly. Oh, my gosh. Well, guys, I think this was a very 
enlightening episode, I guess you could say. We really learned a lot about people that are truly just, I don't even know what you want to call them. Yes. Interesting. They are very extraordinary. Extreme. Extremely extraordinary is what I'm hearing. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So where can they find us? You can find us on Instagram at getouterhere, and you can write in your stories at getouterhere at gmail.com, and tell them where they can buy merch, Kale. At Redbubble, I will post, um, there's a little thing you can press, um, I'll post that on Instagram, so go find that. Um, I can also post the link in the description of the episode. <gasps> yes, oh my gosh, we're making it as so easy as possible for y'all to exactly. um, uh, and buy some stickers, and some shirts, and all that good and anything stuff. you want. I think we've masks. We have everything. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting! Yes, I think I'm, so I'm the most excited. <laughs> I'm like, I'm yeah, excited. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely, I'm definitely about to order some stuff. Me too. Yay! Also, oh if you guys rate us and want a sticker, let me know because we're yeah, trying send to get us more a ratings. Screenshot that you rated and, us, and we'll send you a sticker. Yes, we're, we're not trying to be those people, but we would really like proof. So if you rate us on Apple Podcasts, please send us a screenshot through Instagram. Um, we appreciate written, written reviews, but, you know, even just a five-star review, <laughs> wink, wink, would be good. No no words necessary. Yes. But, yes. But words are great. Just a little words are great. Face, an alien head. Exactly. Whatever you want to give us. Exactly. You can have a sticker. Yes, it's really worth it. Trust and believe. Trust and believe. Yes, I haven't so. actually seen the stickers, but I've seen other stickers from this website, and they're really pretty and, like, really glossy, and I love them. Yes, Redbubble is 10 out of 10 quality. I have had some stickers from there, and they are ugh, chef's kiss. So great. They're perfect. Yes. So, all right. On that note, right. guys, you are free to get out of here. Bye. Bye. Bye.